Today's Dharma talk is the second one of uh, uh, Ju Mipam's uh, Four Reliances, the second reliance, and pretty simple. Rely on the meaning and not on the words. So you might say, I might say, anybody might say, well, obviously, uh, but not so easy to do. Uh, it's very uh, uh, slippery in that area. Um, and that's when we come to like invisible conclusions about things. So lots of ways of talking about this. I'm sure Jumi Pam would agree and disagree. So any of these teachings are just meant to support you and your awareness practice so you can see more deeply into the subjectivity we call me. me. This is kind of obvious out here. Uh, it's obvious in the way that it's out there, but it's not obvious in the way that you're the one that's putting it out there. It's called a projection. So, so the simple, a simple metaphor for that is the, the Zen, very uh, well-known, famous Zen uh, image uh, metaphor of the finger, which is which are the teachings of Buddhism, pointing at the moon, which is the realization. So if you look at the finger, uh, look, if you look at the moon, then you can't see the finger anymore. So quite often, the self-centered mind, the grasping mind, the credentialed mind, the mind that wants something and wants to actually keep something, the materialistic mind will have trouble looking away from the finger. In fact, and in fiction, it will continue to tell you and describe the finger and how it looks, describe the teachings and around and around and around and completely uh, miss the moon because the moon, what are you going to say about a moon? So a good, maybe a good example to use a couple of examples. I have several if, I, if my memory works. Uh, the four limitless ones, may all beings enjoy happiness, the root of happiness, may they be free from suffering, the root of suffering, may they not be separated from the great happiness, devoid of suffering. So we say that for lots of different occasions. Uh, we actually use it as our meal chant or prayer. We pray for others. So, but you could slow down on that and may all beings, may all beings enjoy happiness and the root of happiness. So. Oh, you might go over there. You might never really contemplate. What is the root of happiness? What is happiness? May they be free from suffering, the root of suffering. What is suffering? What is the root of suffering? To go from the air, from the finger to the moon, to go into that and see what that is. Still, it's a relative teaching. It's a provisional teaching, but it uh, seems to be necessary. You could, you could do that. You can also do it with uh, the other one, we, the four... Uh, the four dharmas that turn the mind, uh, the, uh, the four reminders that turn the mind towards the dharma. The first one is male. Uh, no. The first one is, uh, what is it? First, contemplate the preciousness. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, see, I'm so stuck on the meaning that I forget the words. Oh, that's mm -hmm. on. So first contemplate the, the preciousness. And so when I talk to somebody about and encourage someone to contemplate this particular reminder, I have people slow down. You should slow down on everything. First contemplate. Look at the word. Look up the meaning of the words. First contemplate. What does it mean to contemplate? First contemplate the preciousness. Don't be afraid of space. Space won't hurt you. You are space. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't fear anything. I'm not saying you aren't this body, but you're also not separate from anything else. This, this body is going down anyway. Everybody is going. Anything that rises up is going down, including this human form. So first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored, difficult to uh, gain, uh, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. All of those could be broken out. And there's, there's three more of them after that, which sometimes I can remember and sometimes I can't. 
<clears throat> but what I wanted to uh, emphasize with this particular uh, second reliance of Ju Mipam, who was a, a, a 19th, uh, 19th and 20th century. I think he uh, born, was born in uh, 1845 and died in 1912, 11, something like that. And was a Nyingma master, uh, Nyingma being uh, one of the four main lineages of Tibetan Buddhism. So to contemplate or to look at or to see or understand the meaning of something is take, might take a lot of work. It might take a lot of looking at the words, contemplating the words, uh, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored. What is it? Does, uh, what, what kind of freedom are we talking about here? Uh, free to do something or freedom from something or look at it, contemplate that. See if you have the freedom to do whatever you like. You can't, you don't, you can't know what relative freedom is without looking at uh, your cage. And as uh, Nagarjuna said in praise of Dharmadatu in that particular uh, text said, uh, uh, referred to that as the cage of your afflictions, that your your very ideas and beliefs and opinions are actually like our bars. You don't need those. But if you start to see them come apart, you might become fearful. Some people like their prison, just like some people like to be manipulated, controlled, and pushed around and enslaved because at least they're relatively safe for a little while because their master will protect them. You don't need a master. And as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said in The Myth of Freedom, uh, or maybe said in Cutting Through, one of those fancy books of the hundreds of books he wrote, uh, you need the teacher so you can leave them. But first, you actually have to have a teacher. Uh, if it's a true teacher, they won't keep you captive. But they also won't let you get a little, get away with much. You might have trouble getting away with stuff around that person. So another one, I ha don't I have to have it memorized, so I, although I've told other people to memorize it. Uh, this is a really, a really good. This is the 26th, 27th, and 28th verse of uh, of um, uh, Vasubandhu's 30 verses. Uh, Trim, Trimshika to Karika, I think is the fancy uh, Sanskrit word. And it goes, and this is, I like the Wu Tai translation because it's more accessible. Uh, Stefan Anaker's translation and other translations are also very valuable. This one is pretty direct and in our ordinary language. As long as consciousness, whatever is doing the looking at this person or listening, consciousness does not see that subject object, subject object, or subject object distinctions are simply forms of consciousness, attachment to twofold grasping will never cease. Attachment to wanting things to be different than they are, wanting sometimes things to go away, wanting desire, wanting this, not wanting that, wanting this, not wanting that. In other words, um, uh, misery, suffering that come, comes and goes. Verse 27th is, and this addresses to, uh, is it directly uh, talking about uh, Ju Mipam's uh, second um, uh, reliance. By merely thinking concepts, the objects one perceives are forms of consciousness. One does not realize consciousness only. So attachment to the words and thinking about it. And the last one kind of ties up the end of the whole uh, three, these three verses of the 30 verses. This is the 28th one. One realizes consciousness only when the mind no longer seizes on any object, when there is nothing to be grasped, there is no grasping. Then one knows everything is consciousness only. Very simple statement. What, what the hell does he mean by consciousness only? What is that? How can you have consciousness without a consciousness there? How can you have consciousness without an object in the consciousness? Is that possible? 
find out. Find out. How do you find out? In this tradition, I'm not saying there are other ways. Uh, if you meet up with some aliens, they might have other ideas about how to do this. Anybody know any aliens? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing they're in another state. <laughs> Is Fort Wayne in Indiana? It's in another yeah. state. It's in another state, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it seems necessary to sit down and look at the cage of your afflictions or look at the the limitations or look at the suffering, look, look at the difficulty. Uh, quite often in modern, uh, these days we have medications, not meditations, but medications that cover up symptoms. And some of them are extremely sophisticated ways of covering things up, but they don't heal anything. They don't address the issue. They just cover it up so you can walk around as if you didn't have any problems and nothing was wrong. Maybe we might need to do that. If somebody was in a, a car accident and they were having extreme pain, extreme pain because of the nerve endings that are in all the six sense fields, including the mind, then we might want to put something on there to help back that off a little bit. If we can find something. But quite often, because uh, there's so much interest in control and making money, uh, the side effects aren't looked at. Well, that might be a little habit forming. Not good. We all know about that. It's all over the news. That also happens in, uh, in every area of uh, addressing the, pro the, the not the problem, but the, the symptoms. Um, meditation is not about calming down. It's not about feeling better. Not that you might not feel better if you meditate. If you sit down and do nothing at all, probably what's going to happen is you're going to realize all the stuff that you've been hiding out from. You're going to realize the very nature of your mind. It might take you a few years. You can't meditate for six weeks and say, huh, I think I can market this. If it's for sale, look close. I'm not taking away merchandising or selling or trading. Of course not. It's just that it tends to get way out of, uh, what's that called? Balance? Yeah, balance. It's way out of balance. People start charging outrageous, maybe becoming incredibly uh, wealthy. So this doesn't mean that you wouldn't use that, whatever the slogan may be, uh, continue to return to that. But as soon as you return to the, the slogan, immediately look at to where it's pointing. There's one in uh, 59 slogans of Atisha's seven points of mind training. Uh, one of them that I quite often refer to is because I think it's so valuable as of the two, keep the principal witness. So of the two of what looks like me and them guys, there's two, me and how, I, how it looks to me and how it looks to my mother, my dad, my, my sister, my brother, my mate, excuse me, my friends, my enemies, my neighbor, my president, my gardener, my druggist, my doctor, my nutritionist. Of the two, keep the principal witness. But that doesn't mean ignore everything. It means include everything. But if it comes down to a point where you have to go, whether it's A or B, insofar as you can, excuse me, insofar as you can, keep the principal witness. You, you determine. Don't turn everything over to your doctor. Don't avoid them. But don't completely. Make sure you're included in everything that's going on as much as you can. There's, there's enormous... Uh, misunderstandings going on all over the place, not only in medicine, but in every area of the world, any area you can think of, enormous misunderstandings are happening, quite often based on intense judgment about what? Others. What does so, it mean to keep the witness? So I talk about this in different ways, and I would say that the witness is not the thinking process that's here that's thinking about stuff. If you're thinking about stuff, that's not the witness. That's just the cage of your afflictions. So the witness is the space in which things arise. Space doesn't do anything. 
things arise and go away and things arise and go away, but the space just is space. It's like you can't blame the space for the clouds that arise in it. Of course, you might be able to do that. Go ahead. So is the keeping something that we actively do? Could be. If you're in a position of some kind of, what do they call that? I get I get mixed up. I think it's a quandary. Isn't that it? You're in a quandary. And you, 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 you know, you're, you're forced by some decision-making uh, dictator uh, called your ego. And uh, to do this or do that, I got to do something. You don't have to do anything. Don't lecture yourself on that. Well, I need to make, I, I got to make it, I got to decide by Monday. No, you don't. You don't have to decide anything. You know, the, the, the issue with decision, making a decision before the decision is ready to be looked at uh, is about is a, a cover up that keeps us from experiencing suffering or or keeps us. We just cover it up. It's just another kind of cover up. Well, at least I've got that figured out. Well, I, I know what I'm going to do now on Monday. This doesn't mean you can't plan a vacation. It doesn't mean you got to wait till the day you go to pack your bags. <laughs> that would be silly. You wouldn't do that. But you could keep the principal witness. You could look at whatever is happening there and give it as, give it the benefit of the doubt as much as you can before you immediately tie it up in knots and so it's uh, irrevocable or you can't back out of it or whatever it may be. So the space in which things occur is what what I understand that to me. And if there's if everything is all, uh, there's a huge uh, log jam of thoughts and ideas and opinions and speculation and should I or shouldn't I or should I or shouldn't I, you need to look at that. It's not time to make a decision. It's time to look at the log jam. More? I have a different question. So how'd I do it in that one? I watch the news. <laughs> okay. If someone sees the moon, does that does that abandon the finger? It doesn't abandon it. It just sees that they're not separate. That's that's called non-duality. It's an ancient teaching goes way back, ancient India, way before the Buddha was born. That was being taught non-dual, Advaita. So we think they're two different things. So, but we so we tend to abandon one for the other. Go ahead. So is that the same as saying that the the finger is the moon? Is that what you're saying? I'm asking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also not. Because you, 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 anytime you say anything, you create the opposite. And so if you, if you say something, make any statement about anything, and you disrespect the opposite, then you, you started a low-level thing. What do we call that? War. It might just be a skirmish. It just might be just a, a match being struck. But it's still the beginning of that. Go ahead. So how is seeing that the finger and the moon aren't? different things different than grasping at the finger. Yeah. Look at it. And uh, with this kind of a teaching and this kind of an understanding and with my wish to help you with it, I don't know if I'm any help at all. I'm certainly not Jew Mipam. So I'm not able to do that. But my understanding of it is uh, my, this Dharma talk comes out of how that looks to me and how uh, I could help someone else possibly understand that through the use of concepts, words, ideas that are trying to point at something. But if you actually see what I'm talking about, you see what Jew Mipam is talking about, even though he's not here, but he's also not not here, then you'll, you won't see anything. Keep coming. You could go like that. How can you not see anything? That would be a good one. Go ahead. Does not seeing anything mean nothing's registered? It gave you the answer you didn't think. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Say it again. It's not seeing Different words, though. Does it mean Aren't you sewing a rope? Yeah, good. Come on, uh, that gives me a uh, uh, pick on you. Go ahead. 
Go ahead, spit it out. Is not seeing something mean that something's not registered in consciousness? Let's put it this way. There's no registerer. There's no one registering anything. It may register, it may not. The You know, mind your own business. The dependent origination that creates any given thing or is behind or supplements anything or detracts from anything, none of your business. And yet it's complete, you're completely not separate from it. What's happening on the bottom of your foot right now? Yeah, that's it. That's how it is. It's like that. Mm, let's see. He uh, just pointed to you. So go ahead. When we are listening to or reading the words of the sutra or chant yes. or whatever. When it says rely on the meaning, not on the words, is the meaning anything other than our projection of what that meaning is? I think it starts that way. I think it, I think we, like, uh, um, of the two keep their principal witness. We have to start where we're at with it, and then we might have to look at that, because those words don't change. Of the two keep the principal witness. So those those are, they're, they're, it's a concept, it's an idea, it's language. So that's not changing, but their ideas about that tend to change. So if I were to be a, it's a little silly, but it, I think it works to some extent. You might look at the finger, and then it might take you a while of, of looking at that, and before you actually understand that it's pointing at something. So you might have to contemplate the words, just like the the four the four um, uh, reminders. Um, First, contemplate the precious being free and more favored. You might have to go over those and slow way down and look at them. You might have to repeat them a lot in order to see what they're pointing at. Because when you, you, I'm sure you all notice when you take look at a word that you don't know the meaning of, and you look up the meaning, and then you actually you're right back to square one in a sense. You still have to feel like what they said about the meaning, what that's pointing at. And that's why language is so interesting. When you translate something from one language to the next, it's very good, like we do with. Uh, with the um, the 30 verses of Asabanda, which I read uh, 26, 27, 28, if you look at different translations of that, it, it shows up differently. Stefan Anneker's translation of that, that was a, a Wutai Shan or Wutai Mount. So they, they look different. We're still back with the words. We keep getting, we keep, get, we keep, we can't, the open spaciousness of what is being pointed at is too, we have a lot of agoraphobia out there in the open dimension where there's no reference points. So that's how it feels to not rely on the words, but to rely on the meaning. Relying on the meaning is uh, there's no relier. There's nothing to rely on. And that doesn't feel so good. Go ahead. Is relying on the meaning uh, more convoluted or a step away from what it's pointing at? It could be. It could look that way. The self-centered mind, the ego mind might tend to go that direction, might tend to try to take it that direction, which is not incorrect. Go ahead. How do we contemplate something? The way, um, I think there's probably different ways of doing that. The way I talk about it is through repetition and through different speeds, through using the word, to start with the word, and just like uh, um, the, the four reminders to take the first one, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored. So you could start out with the very first word. You could do it by holding your body still. You may be doing uh, um, shikantaza or sitting meditation, you could, uh, are you asking for this or you're talking about something else? So, okay, you sit down, you could write that. If you wanted to contemplate something, write it on a card, an index card, put it down in front of you and sit there for an hour and contemplate the wall for a while, maybe for an hour, hour and a half. And then, then pick up the card or look down at the card 
and and whatever words are there, contemplate those words one at a time. And don't just read the whole thing and try to get the whole import. Look at each word, break it down into parts. Buddhism is uh, notorious for breaking everything down into it just gets exhausting after a while. The three this, the eight that, the 10, the 15, the 100. And go ahead and do that if you want to. But this would be a simple way of just going in and looking at just that slogan and looking at what that means to really reflect on the word contemplate. Uh, the pre uh, Contemplate the word precious. What does it mean? Is it a relative kind of value? What kind of value is there? What is the value of being free? You're Simply put, you're free to come in this room. You're free to leave. And uh, the, the one that's so difficult that I sometimes uh, talk about it a little bit is well-favored in that if you're in this room, you're well-favored because most literally billions of people wouldn't, even if there was a welcome sign out front walking by this door, would never come in here because their concepts about what is in here stop them. The, the cave or the cage of their afflictions will stop them from coming in here. So you could say, simply put, they're not open-minded and, and their curiosity is only very focused. It's just about how to tie flies for fly fishing. They're very curious about that. They read up on it. They can tell you what kind of string to use. They can tell you uh, what kind of flies to make, what colors to use. I mean, just not picking on that particular thing, but it's very focused. Whereas in this situation, your curiosity, if you're even in here, is about the nature of the mind on some level. You may not be a Buddhist. You may never be a Buddhist. You may never study it. You may come, leave and never come back here. Right and wrong is extra. You don't need right and wrong. You don't have to be correct. If you think you have to be correct and you can never be wrong, it'd be difficult. Then your mind will go in circles and you keep uh, trying to find a way to feel better based on being right and not being wrong. More? There's a couple questions that have come in online. Certainly. Raquel from Traverse City. When we see how things really are, will we still want them to be different than they are? Possibly. Yes, possibly. Uh, you could say... Maybe what might change is there'd be no demand. There'd be a there'd be less of a demand about it. You still may have a preference of sorts, but the demand is gone. Oscar asks, can we ever get away from the word? The only way you can get away from the word is to see the word is not different than what it's pointing to. And the same thing with finger pointing at the moon. And the same thing if uh, Jim Mipam were here and we were to ask him about it, I'm not sorry, saying he would say what I'm saying, but something like that. The fundamental understanding is not separate. So nothing is separate from anything else. Separated, but not fundamentally separate. And that's a difficult for the difficult for the conceptual mind to grasp or understand, uh, or or what, what's the other word for that? Grok. You can't grok it. <laughs> Ask another question, Bosker. And you know it could be different with each person. Some uh, another per one person might. That might show up uh, one way, and to another person, it might show up more, more, uh, more of an open dimension with less, not even relying on anything at all, not even relying on a meaning, no reliance at all. But then, if any time you say make any statement, then you have the, it's opposite. You're always creating opposites. If you grasp at anything, grasp at Buddhism, you reject everything else. Don't grasp at anything. What's one without demand? Pardon me? What is want without demand? Um, it, you know, it's a, a simple way of saying you're you're hungry, but you're not gonna you're not gonna stop doing 
um, somebody's loading some things into a car and they need some help, you're hungry, so you, you'd like to eat something, but you'll help them. You eat later. Well, it's a very simple kind of situation where your own, you can see it in others all the time. You can see it in your mate. You can see it in your friends. You can see it in your neighbors. You can see it in anybody. You can see uh, people's demand about things. And it might be disguised as, uh, uh, you know, maybe covered over by a smiley face. Or just thinking of Raquel's question is like, we want to not want things to be different than they are. So does that not have to go away? Nothing has to go away. Thank you. You don't have to be somebody else. There's nothing to correct. There's not, that's, I'm not just joking about it. You just have to see it. And then it will find its own, it will sort itself out is the conventional way of talking about it. Trying to get rid of something is, is, is a very low level of warfare with your body-mind complex. Don't do it. You don't need to do that. There are uh, mundane paths and religious paths who try to get rid of the bad stuff. It's like Ramana Maharshi said in 1950 when he was dying of cancer, the, the, uh, the sage uh, of India who was uh, born in, uh, I think, 18, 1890, something like 80, 80 or 90. Uh, he said to his uh, students, um, there's going to be difficulty when I pass. He was, had cancer. He says, and, uh, and I, don't know, I don't remember the context, but he says, cancer wants to live too. So this doesn't mean that he wouldn't have preferred to keep living, but he was probably 80 at the time. It's just about including. You don't have to correct. This doesn't mean also that if, if there's some kind of cure for that, if he could have done something to live longer, he couldn't have done that. But it was also just trying to be with what is what is happening, just whatever's occurring, that's what's occurring. Question? I was wondering in the rely on the meaning, not on the words, um, two things, what the word rely in this context or what, what it would mean to rely on a teaching or a meaning? I think I think that's a good uh, question. I think uh, it's just like as a, as monks, we rely on the vow, the vow to be with all things. If you get in a big trouble and you want to know what your priorities are, go to the vow. I vow to be with all things. No more warfare with anything. Not with my own mind. I'm all through fighting everything. Let it win. That's not cowardly when it talks about the meaning not the words in this situation is that mm -hmm. endeavoring to talk about fruition or is there a different kind of meaning that's being pointed out we need fruition we need the ground which is the suffering we have and the path which is a way of working with getting to be familiar with what the fundamental situation is what the basic not not as we've talked about before epidemiology or guesswork speculation but what's actually causing this? Find out. Don't believe a word you hear from me. Don't believe Buddhism. Buddhism is not a belief system. It's not a. It's not a some kind of a hierarchy of better folks at the top. Go ahead. So um, I'm just looking at that phrase, rely on the meaning, and wondering about the very relative aspect of relying on something mm -hmm. on the past, and then how we could actually understand meaning without it kind of becoming more of the words. So it might have to do that. But what that does, that teaching, what it does is it brings your mind to the, the apparent disparity between the, the moon and the finger. It brings you to look at that polarity. And when you do that, you're looking at, you're including, you're looking at the polarity from the point of the words that are said and what the words are talking about. 
So you're looking at that and you and there's a, 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 a natural sense, you could say, uh, uh, yes, a natural sense of equanimity between the pointer and what's being pointed at or the meaning in the words. And we have to see that first before we can see that the, the, the meaning is not separate from the words. You first have to separate them and see them and see what's being pointed and then rely on what is being pointed at. And if you have really relied on what is being pointed at, uh, you'll see it's not separate from the words. It's called not to. Go ahead. I think you've kind of already said this, but could you say again, where do we start to approach something like this? Just as I was saying to Junchu, pick out something uh, in the teachings and you can actually practice that yourself. You know, just like uh, we chant sutras every morning, or you do, I'm not here, I'm probably still in bed. You're chanting sutras, you should be. And, and those are saying these words over and over and over and over again. Uh, without walls of the mind is a translation out of the Heart Sutra. Without walls of the mind. So you might have to look at some walls. You might have to look at the cage of your afflictions. You might have to look at the way in which you're, you're, you're holding on to your craziness because it's safer. It's safer to just be slightly nuts. You know, I don't have to do anything about that yet. So I think I'll just put it right. Let's see. There's room under one of those ribs, I think. There. Feel pretty good. But then when something in your life goes awry, you know what I'm talking about, awry, it goes, and then suddenly it triggers that unresolved, un, unexamined, un, uh, that hidden area of emotion, and it comes trotting right out with all of its negative energy that you could have dealt with uh, uh, on the cushion or you could have dealt with in your last marriage. That's right. You only have one. Your luck will change. I mean, get better. Sheldon. Can, can we be constantly aware that words are not real? Probably probably not constantly, but you can flash on it. You don't, you don't have to maintain anything. Even sitting practice is just a matter of come, sit down, watch what moves. And, and if everything, uh, if you go to sleep, just be aware of it. If you wake up, just be aware of it. If you get tired, just be aware of it. If you seem to cling to words, just be aware of it. If you see uh, in little flashes that the word is just is something different than what it's describing, just be aware. It's always about awareness, never about manipulating what is in the awareness in some, some way that's more acceptable. That's why the, the physical form being here, uh, all these separate human beings in a room, our hearts are beating and our, our blood is flowing and we're here for a very, very limited time. And we have identities. If you, you never look in the mirror and, and say, gee, who's that? Or maybe you do. We always recognize ourselves. Other people recognize that we're constantly being reinforced as somebody separate. Some person we're called by name um, over and over and over again, unless I change your name. And then you have that to deal with. What's that about? More about that, Sheldon? What, what draws us back into putting meaning in the words? What, what helps us go towards the meaning instead of getting stuck on the words? Uh, yeah, is that what you're saying? Paraphrase it. Paraphrase your question. I, mean, I can ask. I'd rather ask answer your question. So we we make the meaning our reality, and it just we're always continually drawn back into that all the time. So uh, let me say what I'm hearing you say is we're drawn back into a, a, a fundamental uh, or direct understanding of what the world is, what this whole thing is. Is that what you're saying? The opposite. We're drawn back into being separated and being self-centered and being me, me, me and my stuff and my ideas and my and my opinions. 
Now, what causes that to happen? Feel safer relatively, but death comes without warning. Not, not, it's not negative. I mean, it might, might have a, might be negative, but it's, it's the truth. Everything, everything, anything is born is going to die. But what the finger pointing at the moon is, or the teaching, uh, or the relying on the meaning is to rely on that you, who you are can't die because it has not come into existence as the body mind has, but who you are is not, not just the body mind. It's not separate from it. So it's an aspect of it that changes all the time. More? JD? Mm -hmm. Is it wrong to want to be happy? No, that's right. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here, isn't it? I mean, everybody wants to be happy. Anybody here doesn't want to be happy? Okay. Got a consensus. Me too. I want to be happy. Yes. Ed? Is, is the meaning be within the words or beyond the words? Well, if, if you ask it that way, then I have to say, well, it's not separate from the words, but it's separated out so that we can, you know, the meaning is, uh, uh, you know, like in uh, the four uh, limitless ones, uh, may all beings enjoy happiness. So, so we would say, may all be, may all beings enjoy. So we're, we have a, it's a Buddhist prayer to, to turn our mind towards the service of others, helping others. May all beings enjoy happiness and the root of happiness. May they be free from suffering and the root of suffering and so on. So that it's, it, it, the language is an aspect of our uh, situation as human beings. It's the communication part of our life. There's body, speech, and mind, the body, and there's speech, and then there's the mentation or the whole, the six uh, sense cons consciousnesses and their objects. So it's broken down in so many parts. So it, it can, it's not separate, but it's separated in terms of how we talk about it. We separate it out so that we can even discuss it, have a conversation. Go ahead. Now, what drove what drove the question is is uh, is uh, sutras and and discourses and, and translations and so forth. It, it seems that the message doesn't change. It's just the words that change. Yeah. Is that more or less that's true? A lot of words about the same thing. I mean, that's why I, that's why I give so many talks because I keep. Kind of it seems huh? like the message is the same over and over and over. So what's what's the question then? That's is that true? Kind of. I don't know if that's true or not. Would you accept my answer if I gave it? Probably. Yes and no. Pardon me? Yes and no. Okay. You accept that? I accept that. I don't accept that. That <laughs> <laughs> I means I still need to work, work with yeah. it. Yeah. That's all. That's exactly. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Just keep, keep sitting, keep practicing, keep meditating. Sharpen the uh, sharpen your ability. We can, we, our, our, as I've said many times, our our th thought process is muscle bound. We use it constantly for everything. You can't can't even uh, go and wash dishes without having a whole lots of thoughts come about this and that. And it isn't anything to do with dishes. You know, you're on automatic as soon as you step up to wash dishes. It's automatic unless you don't wash dishes very often, which that would just be the men, right? It's meant to be funny. It doesn't seem to be working. Our society is changing, I think. <laughs> so, of course, I'm just saying that something you don't do very often, the thinking might be around that. It's something you're acclimated to and is uh, kind of habitual. Then that gives you time to just continue to do that. Meditation is like that. That's why we do it, my friends. We sit down and hold still so you can see the mind. It's not about stopping the mind. It's a, it's a very simple misunderstanding, which is rampant. Everybody from John Kabat-Zinn to Thich Nhat Hanh. And I love those people. They help people. They meet people where they're at and they help them where they're at. I don't teach that. What I teach is sit down and whatever happens, watch it. 
because whatever's happening for you or for you or for you or for you is exactly what your karma is bringing to you so that you can see it. If you accept it, you're blowing. If you re refuse it, you're blowing. If you do anything with it, but if you do it enough, eventually you stop fighting with everything. You stop fighting with your mind. You stop agreeing with your mind. You stop d disagreeing. You just, it's more like the sky. The sky doesn't care if clouds come or not. Your mind is more like the sky and less like clouds, birds. What are those other things that fly in the sky? Dragons. Choo -choo. Another question from Boston. Are you suggesting that instead of figuring out the meaning of a word, we could try to see the duality that the word is creating and or reaction to that? <laughs> Oscar. Uh, how can I get out of this? <laughs> Let's see. Oscar's much smarter than I am, so I have to be very careful how I respond to it. Let's see here. Repeat that. Are you suggesting that instead of figuring out the meaning of a word... Okay, so let me, let me contemplate that. Okay, go ahead. We could try to see the duality that the word is creating and maybe and our reaction to that? Yes. As I said, I, I think very slowly, if I think at all. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I'm not, I know I'm being a little silly, but I, I heard what you said. But I don't, I don't think very fast. So therefore, I have to reflect on what you said. There's another question from Raquel. Is it possible to look at all the suffering, be with all things, and be happy all at once? There's no other way. It doesn't mean Buddhism. It doesn't mean you have to be a Buddhist. But if you fight with anything, uh, I don't care if it's something that deserves your warfare or is calling for it. If you, if you fight with anything, uh, you know, we're not separate from anything. We're also not all one. That's a misunderstanding based on self-centeredness. No more war. No fight. But yeah. It's hard because it looks like we should get rid of this problem or we should get rid of the suffering. You. When we um, chant sutras or... Chanting sutras? Verge. Yes. Yep. Versus are we hacking the mind as you talked about yesterday? Yes, in a way you are. Uh, yesterday's talk was on both talks around hacking the mind, the idea of, of sitting down. Uh, not um, You can always listen to the talk if you're interested, but it's the idea of sitting down and rather than going in and hacking that in the conventional understanding of that word, you're still using the same material, same tools. But in this situation, you're actually using um, the, the consciousness itself. Uh, it might not show up that way, but you sit down, hold still and look at the disturbances. Look at the look at the boundary that ego sets up. This incredible uh, closed system called uh, the what is it? The uh, hierarchy, hierarchy based on self-centeredness and protection, and not wanting anybody to come in and fiddle with the what's inside the castle walls, castle of ego. And uh, if you sit down, interestingly enough, because uh, because uh, objects in the space in which the objects occur are not two different things. Interestingly enough, if you just sit down, hold still, and continue to prioritize the space over the objects that arise in it, this is how you hack the mind. You want to find out who you are? Give it a couple dozen years. Is there any fundamental difference between definition and interpretation? Sure. Yeah. Interpretation is uh, more uh, creative and and 
you know, guesswork and speculation. And uh, definition is more speculation and creation and guesswork. Keep coming. How do we how do we look at uh, how do we how do we see the, the definition of or the the, the the essence of something through interpretation? Just be vividly aware of the interpretation and the interpretator. There's lots of kind of taters. That's one of them. Just don't don't anything that's moving in terms of sitting meditation. Don't take your eyes off of it. Don't take your awareness away from it. Also, don't reject it. Don't accept it. If you, as soon as you accept it, you accept it, you start to cover it up and you start to interpret. Don't interpret. Don't define unless you're pushed into a corner. Then you may have to. But until that corner shows up, it's just uh, it's like a big blue sky. Or as Trunk Rinpoche said, uh, big blue pancake. Um, when we chant, some of the chants are in Japanese. Um, is there still meaning that we should be looking at? In doing the chanting, the mm-hmm. well, you can do it either way. You can either you can either just chant it. They're just words. It's like mantras. You know, you even if the, you know what the mantra means, but if you chant the mantra very much, it just becomes a, just a texture of the sound. And you could also go and look them up. But sometimes you'll notice uh, even when we're chanting uh, the 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 uh, um, the uh, Zanmai or Sandokai or whether it's, whether it's been translated into English, you know, even then we'll just We'll say it, and eventually we just forget what we're saying because we're just—they're just, you know, vowels and consonants strung together. So I would say it would be up to each individual to to look at it. You already know—you know what the even in Japanese you kind of know what's being said in that, and it's, it's translation is a little bit different than say the one that Red Pine did that we do in the evenings, but it's very similar. Yes. Is is there a meaning then beyond a meaning in the chanting itself beyond words? Yes, there is. Yeah, keep doing it. Keep looking at it. Reflect on it, contemplate it, and it's each person has to do that on their own. So, uh, pretty soon we're going to be doing sutra copying here. I think it's starting tomorrow, so we're going to be doing some of that. The Junchu will be uh, the, be the facilitator for that. So we're actually going to be doing another kind of activity, sitting down and writing the sutras out, which is make that up here. That's something that's been going on in other cultures for centuries. We've been talking about the second reliance in terms of teachings and sutras and chanting. Mm -hmm. Is it something that we can also use in the context of interpersonal, having conversations with people in their words? Yes. How? Listen, just receive. If you have to say something, then you will. If you're just receiving, then there's much more time for you to really heard, really hear what what is being intended by those words. And there's different levels of that, but I'm, that's a good place to start is just listen to what people are saying. Listen to the words, listen to the texture of the words. If you begin to see it, you'll begin to see the way in which you, uh, when someone says something, you can see what their intention is. And you can also see that they don't, over time, uh, especially someone you know well, you can see that they're not their, their intention and what they're saying are not particularly aligned very well. But you wouldn't tell them that. You would just, just awareness. Just awareness, and eventually you may see the way in which you're doing the same thing to them. You're laying things on top of what they're expressing that they're not actually saying that are your are your own creation. More? How can we see what someone is intending? Look at it a lot. Look at what they're saying. Take anything that someone is saying to you, and notice that there's an intention. Kind of goes without saying. Will you help me 
break break the law. Pretty simple intention, but it tends to get more and more convoluted. You notice that. Then there's the one where somebody wants your help, but won't ask you for it. <laughs> you want someone's help, you should ask them and uh, allow them to say, you know, I don't really want to. You want to do that. That way it's much more clear. Thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our chant books. and like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your financial support. We also ex accept donations online and through the mail. Thank you. May the merit of this penetrate into all places and being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them 